As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by my best friend in the whole wide world, Ari Wasserman. Ari, how you doing? Just tingly. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, before we get into the show, I want to tell you guys about The Athletic's end-of-year sale, theathletic.com slash 4 to 6, 4 to 6. Gets you 12 months of The Athletic for $24, $2 a month. Can't beat it. Two dollars a month for the athletic for the athletic theathletic.com slash four two six. That runs through December thirty first. So if you've been thinking about subscribing, you can get into the athletic now for two dollars a month, which is uh half the price of a filet of fish. Is that right? I mean I would just go with the filet of fish if it were my money, but you know, I think <laughs> the uh <laughs> I think the athletic's a pretty good secondary option if you're not a big fish through the drive through guy. Yeah, if you don't if you don't like fast food fried fish with cheese and tartar sauce, subscribe to the Athletic. If you do like, yeah, if you do like it, go ahead and buy yourself the fish sandwich, and, and we'll see you next year when the Athletic does another year end sale. Maybe yeah, up on it then. Yeah. yeah, no, I think they're both phenomenal deals. I'm you know I'm lucky enough where I have both, and if you're fortunate <laughs> enough to get both, I, there's nothing better than reading a Bill Landis story over a filet fish. Yeah, I, there's probably but some life's full there. of decisions, and you just have to make yours. There's probably some things that are better than reading something that I wrote while stuffing your face with a fish sandwich, like staring out at the ocean while stuffing your face with a fish sandwich. I did that one time; that was great. Yeah, with a filet of fish. No, no, like a real fish sandwich. Yeah, yeah. One time you got grouper. Uh, <laughs> no flounder. 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 <laughs> I was telling that story when I was home uh, for Christmas with my family last week. It's like one time I was near the ocean, so I felt like I needed to order fish, and then they brought me out a flounder with eyeballs in it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then we went it. and just got a hamburger, and then went home. Yeah, <laughs> just let it sit on the plate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I get like I think I told the folks last week that I was going to be out in Los Angeles for the Rose Bowl. Uh, I am no longer out in Los Angeles for the Rose Bowl. Uh, they canceled the media day. Which is like, in my opinion, really the only reason to be there, uh, because the, otherwise the interviews are fairly limited. And we're recording this on Tuesday morning when Ohio State's doing defensive interviews out there, and everyone is talking to someone we talked to like a week and a half ago. So uh, I'm not going out there now. I'm still going to write about the game. I'll have a story later this week, kind of like breaking it down and 
what I want to see from Ohio State, like what Utah brings to the table, what we can learn about Ohio State in this game, and then obviously I write about the game um, for watching it on television on my couch here in Columbus, but uh, did not make the trip out to Los Angeles because of some of the stuff that's getting canceled and uh, kind of just didn't want to like risk getting being out there and then like having all the media stuff go to virtual or God forbid, you know, the game, something happens with the game. So, um, didn't, didn't go out there for, for the Rose bowl, but, uh, still perfectly capable of writing about it and giving you my thoughts on it, uh, from, from here in Columbus. So, but I, I, the, the end result of that Ari is that I don't get to get an in and out cheeseburger. I think that this all worked out the way it was supposed to. Yeah. No, Somebody, uh, no, no fast food for you. <clears throat> Mac, Max Olson, uh, sent me a message on Slack, and he said, I know I know the in-and-out of Wendy's debate got heated, but this seems a little drastic. I don't know why you wouldn't go out there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It does. Um, well, I'm in, in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl, and I'm covering the Cincinnati-Alabama game on Friday, and everything's virtual here, too. Yeah. So it's like the I was excited to go to the media day. I was going to try to talk to Juice Man for a little uh, little That'd Ohio State yeah. story, you know, and I, it's just like now it's just – everything's a 10-minute stint with everybody else for the seven best, and it just, like, completely sucks the air out of everything the media is trying to do. And it's like, I can, you know, what am I going to write? You know, what's anybody going to write that isn't already on the Internet, you know? And for fans, to take it behind the curtain a little bit, Media Day, they bring in sometimes the entire team, but most of the time it's just the two deep, and anybody can talk to anybody for the first time or one of only two times the entire year. And that might now only be the only time because then Ohio State like did away with their full-on media day too, which used to happen in fall camp, where mm-hmm. there used to be a whole day where we just go into the Woody Hay Center and the entire team was available for an hour. Um, and those are very valuable days for us because if we have our own ideas or we want to write something, it's the only time of the year where we, A, get to talk to freshmen or, or younger players that haven't played much, and B, to be able to do it alone without 19 other tape recorders in the guy's face. So like that was usually the best time to fly out to – to a bowl is because they'd give you an open locker room after the game was over and they'd give you the, the media day. And if they're not going to do that, then I'm just going to give you the same six players that, you know, the Ohio state SID gives you every other week. Then flying across the country really is, there's only one reason for it. And I still would have gone because the game is beautiful <laughs> and in and out is there. Uh, but now in and outs in Texas, so you can just fly half, <clears throat> half the way and stay with your boy and get, yeah, and get the same deal. The, yeah. That, that'll be my plan. I think, you know, you're right. I think the, the, if it's There's not an in and out six minutes from my house now. That's great. That's great. Is it's there a scary. Whataburger nearby? Can I do the double dip? The Whataburger is, I could throw a football to the Whataburger. This sounds great. All right. I'm, after we're done recording, I'm going to hop in the car and head down there. Um, yeah, there's no media day. There's no open locker room. Uh, and if it was a playoff game, I probably would have gone. Honestly, if it wasn't you know 3,000 miles away, I probably would have gone. Um, it just seemed like a lot of travel to do to, you know, not have very much access to the team. So that that's why I, I chose not to go out there. But I was looking forward to the media day. I was like, I want to talk to Kyle McCord. It just I sucks, to too, because to going to the game is like the only salvation of what this game actually means, really. It's just like the Rose Bowl is the coolest game there is. Absolutely. So like yeah. going to it, regardless of what's at stake or who's playing in it or what happened, is still going to it. You know, So I kind of I, I feel bad for you in that sense. Yeah, uh, I think if, I think had I not gone three years ago, I probably would have gone. Like if this is my first time going to the Rose Bowl, I probably still would have gone. But um, it's all about you know bang for your buck. Like, and if I can take the exorbitant sum of money it was going to cost me to go to the Rose Bowl and do some smaller trips here over the next few months, like covering recruiting and stuff like that, I think that's probably more worthwhile for me. More Which would serve the reader better. Readers, right? Yeah. So um, that's kind of the idea here. But yeah, it was. My choice not to go, and maybe I'll yeah. live to regret that. But you know, still going to write about it. Still going to write about it because it's going to be a very interesting game. What is the world coming to when the Rose Bowl? People are opting out. Reporters are opting out. That's right. There's no beef bowl. No one. No one. Uh, no one got up in arms about me opting out of the bowl, uh, out of the Rose Bowl. Maybe they well, will now. News maybe just broke. Know. I mean, give yeah, them a minute. Yeah. That's right. So, in, in addition to myself opting out of the Rose Bowl, uh, Ohio State on uh, Monday. Uh, Ryan Day kind of announced it out there, and then some guys followed up with Twitter announcements. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Nicholas Petit-Frere, and Haskell Garrett all will not play. Um, I, I think that's like a combination of NFL draft stuff and injury stuff. Like Haskell Garrett, for instance, like he had been banged up all year, 
and maybe if he were healthy, he he might play, but he's off to the league. Nicholas petit is off to the league. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are obviously both off to the league. So that's four pretty major pieces for Ohio State who aren't going to be playing in the Rose Bowl, and um, I know like the reaction to that seemed to be a little mixed, and I, I'll say like if, if your reaction to that is like, man, I, I really like those guys. I'm bummed I'm not going to get to see them play in an Ohio State uniform anymore. I think that's fair. Like I, I'm on board with that. If your reaction to that is like, what's the world coming to these guys need to play? I can't believe players are opting out in Rose Bowl. Like, I don't know. Welcome to the real world. If you want to go give uh, Garrett Wilson $45 million to make him play in the Rose Bowl, I guess, you know, all more, more power to you. But I, th- I think it's a wise decision on the part of guys who are going to be first and second round draft picks who are looking at tens of millions of dollars in guaranteed money uh, to not play in a game that is, even if it is the Rose Bowl, it's very cool and it's steeped in tradition and, it, and the Rose Bowl loves to remind you of that. Uh, this is still an exhibition game. So I, I fully respect the decision of those guys to not play. Do you think Garrett Wilson knows who Steve Urkel is? Steve Urkel? Like from Family Matters? Yeah. The only yeah, Steve probably. Urkel? I, I grew up with a guy named Steve Urkel. Uh, you did? No. Oh. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, yeah. He probably does, yeah. No, he probably doesn't. Like, somebody tweeted me, Gen Z players, do people realize they don't even know who, like, modern uh, sitcom stars were, like, when we were kids from the 90s? And it's like, they don't even know who some of these people are. Like, Garrett Wilson does not have an appreciation for how amazing the Rose Bowl is is traditionally like he didn't grow up with that game he didn't grow up rooting for a team where the final destination of of the rose bowl meant that you got to go into paradise and escape the cold and celebrate your great season like it's just a different era and -hmm. like it's playoff or meaningless bowl games and you know our buddy somebody tweeted us goes you don't want to spend 20 minutes on the podcast talking about what 5% of the people think because we do that sometimes. And it's just like, I I think that if you think that Garrett Wilson is not loyal to Ohio state anymore, you're an asshole. Like that's, that's it. Like there's no, (laughs) like what Garrett Wilson gave to Ohio state is, is is in an abundance of, of helping them win blood, sweat and tears workouts. um, You know, being one of the best players in the league, or, I mean, in the country and now going to be maybe one of the best receivers in the league. If the man wants to protect himself in, in the bag that he earned while at Ohio State, like, that's his prerogative. And, mm-hmm. like, he's done more for Ohio State than any individual fan that's not named Les Wexner. So let's let's just pull the plug on the, the loyalty crap. And, you know, the good, the good news is here, Bill, is that every year that this goes on, it's going to become more and more regular, and then we can stop, like, the traditionalist pounding, you know, their fists against the table, but the way that you and I view the Rose Bowl, the way our fathers view the Rose Bowl, like we don't view it the way our fathers do, and Garrett Wilson does not view it the way that we do. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a different times change, dude. Things change, and it's a shame. But you know what? I, my solution is, I think the Rose Bowl should host the national championship game every year. I think that that should be the the reward for anybody who plays in the national championship game and preserves the sanctity of that game. Mm-hmm. And I think if you want to call him the granddaddy of them all, or you want to, to continue to view the Rose Bowl in a, in a light that traditionally it was viewed, then you can put it back in a situation where it can be the star of the show because the Cotton Bowl doesn't have that same feel. The Orange Bowl doesn't have that feel. Like as like even the Sugar Bowl, like the, the Rose Bowl is the Rose Bowl. So let's make the Rose Bowl the national championship game and then all the other bowls or whatever can be playoff sites or whatever and then, you know, make a system where it ends up in Pasadena. I think that'd be great. But until then, this is an exhibition game between a team that failed all of its all of its goals and is playing against a non-brand Pac-12 team. It's pretty good and pretty tough and whatever. But beating Utah in the Rose Bowl is like nine prongs lower than like what they wanted to do this year, and I think it's time like that we accept that. Yeah, I think that I think that's all fair. Um, all that said, like I, I do think. I don't want to be like dismissive, like totally dismissive of the game because, um, one, I do think it would be good for Ohio State to like end its season on a winning note. Why? Um, Who cares? Because so you can feel good about yourself in November. I mean, I'm sorry in July. Like, I don't think it matters. Like, obviously, if you're a fan of a sport, you want the team that you root for to win, and you want to add a Rose Bowl trophy. Like, I'm not saying that you don't, you wouldn't rather win than lose, but I don't think there's any benefit to winning other than. 
than how it would be nice to, to go into the... But like, I don't think a team is going to be better off in July if they win or lose. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think too much is often made about bowl momentum. Like often, it, it's it's. I don't really know that that's a thing. So I'm not saying like Ohio State needs to win to like position itself better for 2022. I'm just saying like if you're a fan of Ohio State or if you're an Ohio State player and you're an Ohio State coach, like you don't want to lose back to back games <laughs> to end your season. And not that beating Utah would erase the taste in your mouth of losing to Michigan, but I think you can go into January feeling a little bit better about yourself if you win this game. And, and, I, and I do think, like, for as much as we might, like, poo-poo this, like, I do think that Ohio State, like, very, like, very much wants to win this game. Um, Utah, it's their Super Bowl. Like, everyone's saying that. I think that's obvious. I was on radio in, I think, like, Salt Lake City last week, and, like, those guys were so juiced for the game. It was unbelievable. Um, and and the, the vibe is just not the same at Ohio State, or at least, like, around the game. But but I do think for the players themselves and for the coaching staff, I think they do want to try to end this on the, on the right note. And, um, I, you know, I think they should be in that mindset. I don't think they should just be like, oh, whatever, it's the Rose Bowl. Let's just get this over with and move on the next year. I don't know if it's okay to pre-decide – what a column is going to be before you go to a game that you want to write. Mm-hmm. But my take here is this. Ohio State has zero juice around the game from fans. I don't want to speak for how much the team cares. I have my suspicions that they don't care. Maybe it's different for some players than others. But I don't know how jacked up they are the way they would be if they were playing Clemson in a semifinal. Yeah, game. for sure. But the, the, the column would be that fans want parody until they get it. And like now they're getting it. And you're telling me that the nation, not just Ohio State fans, the nation wouldn't rather watch Alabama play Ohio State? Like that is where we're at right now. So what we have as a result of the parody of this system is the flattest bowl season that I can remember in games that, I mean, do people even realize the semifinals are on Friday? Like, I forgot. Like, I'm like, holy crap. Like, I'm covering this game. It's on Friday. Like, when I woke up yesterday on Monday morning. And I and I wonder if, like, the Michigan-Georgia matchup is just not fun, you know? And that one's a lot better than the other one. Like, Alabama said, I'm covering a playoff game on Friday, and it feels like I'm going to watch some random September game against, you know, some overmatched yep. middle-tier program that Ohio State's facing. And it's like, that's not fair. Maybe Cincinnati will shock the world and win. But you know what? It's probably going to be 44-10. to 10. <clears throat> And if it is, I think it just sucks the entire... Like, usually the bowl season is supposed to be like a build-up to the playoff games where you watch your football, you get your interesting second-tier matchups, and it's like the appetizer for the meal. But the meal this year kind of sucks. Even though it's different, everybody wanted different, it still kind of sucks. And if you're an Ohio State fan, it absolutely sucks because your team is the team that you expected to be in it. So, like, I just kind of feel like the Cincinnati-Michigan inclusion in far more Cincinnati than Michigan in the playoff this year has, like, ruined the entire bowl season. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that. Um. No, I know. I'm just, like, my view. But, like, does it feel like there's less juice around all football games right now? Fe- well, like the yeah, Rose Bowl? But I- no one gives a shit about the Rose Bowl, Bill. See, here, here's the thing I don't want to do. I don't want to take the way that you view it and, like, partially the way that I view it and just, like, project that on everybody else that we, like, think reads and listens to our podcast, reads the stories, listens to our podcast. I don't know if nobody gives a shit about the Rose Bowl. Lannis, I haven't seen a single promo about the Rose Bowl on TV since since, since December started. 
Like, I mean, I, I don't know if it's me projecting how I feel. I don't see. There's no juice. You know when there's juice and you know when there's not? There's no juice. No one cares. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I think. I'm not saying that Ohio State fans aren't looking forward to watching the game. It's just flat. I think the whole I hold I think the whole bowl season has been flat. I think the whole bowl season has been flat as well. I don't I don't know if that's so much the playoff matchup. I'm ac- I'm actually like pretty excited for the playoff matchups. Um, maybe I'm alone in that, but like I like the idea that we're seeing new teams. Um, but I think I mean any playoff game is exciting. Like I want that's those are the games that you watch. I think part of it is like there's I don't know we're we're back in this mode where like is a game going to get canceled or not? And I think like there's like so much fatigue with that that people don't even bother to check in because they don't want to check in and then have something get taken out from under them again, like happened all of last year. I just think it's really hard to get juiced up for for any kind of season where, where that's happening. And I think, honestly, that's happening not with college football. I think it's like with every sport right now. Like everyone's trying to navigate this Omicron stuff and get games played and, and leagues are on pause or, or leagues are canceling yeah. games left and right. And it's just like, what, like, what am I supposed to get excited about that? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I yeah, think, no, you're I think, right. I you're think right. that's, I think that's sucks, part of yeah. it. I don't know. I don't think that's all of it. I don't think that's all of it, but because I, I do think a lot of the juice has been missing from bowl season for for quite some time, really since since the playoff started, because it just all gets kind of diminished a little bit, especially when you're rooting for a program like Ohio State, where where the playoff is the goal. But um, I still, I don't know. I, I still really don't feel like I have a great gauge of how juiced up Ohio State fans are for this game, but. I, I would imagine that there's probably a larger percentage of fans that are interested in this game that maybe we want to give credit to, even if it's not new. It's certainly not all of them. I think interested and excited are different. Yeah. I think that's like right. Everyone's going to watch it. Yeah. Like Everybody listening to this podcast is going to watch the game. I'm not saying that people are indifferent or that they're not going to tune in. I'm just saying it's just like goals were lost. It's unsalvageable. You're playing against a team that doesn't have any any marketability brand wise in a game that is in the sun in the January and it looks pretty, but doesn't really quite drive the needle. And like I, I don't know, like you are excited. If you were just a random fan, would you rather watch Georgia play Ohio State this year or would you rather watch them play Michigan? Like would you rather watch Alabama play Ohio State or would you rather them play Cincinnati? It's like which games are more intriguing to you? You know, yeah. I think with with maybe the average fan, there there's less of that fatigue factor with the brands that are always there. So they probably just want to see the best teams play each other. If you're somebody who's like really invested in college football, I think that that subsect of people is probably more excited than not to, to see some new names. But I feel really bad for Cincinnati if we're being honest, because like Cincinnati has to like carry the burden of this entire thing. And, like, if they get their ass kicked, which they probably will because there's only so much that you can do. There's only so much Rudy magic in, in the cleats before you realize that there's 19 first-round draft picks on the other team. I don't think they're going to get their ass kicked. I know. I Well, I mean, the spread's 14. So, like... Yeah, I could be just wishful thinking on my part. but Yeah, yeah, maybe they won't. I'm excited. To, I... We'll say this: If Cincinnati gets their butt kicked, it's going to be no different than the other teams that get their butt yeah, kicked. Yeah, like Oklahoma gets their ass kicked in the semifinals. So, like, there is, there is, there is some intrigue about if they can actually compete because we've had this debate all the time of like, can the best group of five team really hold water against one of the top teams in the Power Five? Mm-hmm. So we'll see, you know. And I don't know that you know UCF LSU matchups in the Gator Bowl really count for that. Right. So, like, I. I am very excited to go to the game and watch it. But if Cincinnati does get their, their their doors blown off, it'll be like they let the entire community of college football down who wants parity. And it's just like, this is the expanded playoff. It's a, it's a teaser for it, yeah. These are the kind of matchups you'll see. And like you'll get the good matchups like before, because teams like Alabama and, and Georgia are the top two or three teams in the country will get bye weeks, right? In the 12-team playoff or an open week before the Yeah, the top, the top four would, yeah. So you might get like you might get like Michigan's wait no no you might get like Penn State versus Cincinnati in the first round which would be like a cool mm-hmm. game, but all it would be is like a a arrow right into the slaughterhouse <laughs> like you know you win this game you can say you want a playoff game and it's like okay well Daddy's waiting for you at the end of the road and like I don't know you know I I don't know why you don't think that Cincinnati's gonna get their butts kicked but 
I think they're going to get their butts kicked. Yeah, I mean the spread is the spread. I, I think <clears throat> let's. Uh, I mean, what is a butt kicking too? Like is is twenty is thirty eight twenty four a butt kicking? You'd probably say no, and, and Alabama would cover. So like, uh, I'm viewing it as like fifty six to fourteen type of a thing, and maybe that won't happen. Um, but I think Alabama's going to cover. Yeah, let's. Uh, I, I we're going to give our picks on the Rose Bowl later this week, and I think we should give our picks on like the playoff and talk a little bit more about that later in the week too. I want to like kind of circle back here to to the Rose Bowl and the thing that that Ohio State fans probably care a little more about. Um, I do think there's a lot of Ohio State fans that are like rooting for Cincy though. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm there's. I think, a, I'm having a hard time reading it. Like, I think there are. I think there's a lot of Ohio State fans who want who want a Cincinnati Georgia national title game. Yeah, for sure. I wonder if there's two schools of thought with an Ohio State Cincinnati view. One is go Cincinnati, home state, pride, Ohio pride, go beat Alabama. Which is like we love Luke Fickle, all that like you're our you're our brother type mm-hmm. mentality. Then there's the other type of mentality where it's just like fuck that. <laughs> I don't want Cincinnati to be the best team in Ohio this year. Yeah. Like, if Cincinnati beat Alabama, that would suck for Ohio State fans, right? To a certain extent of like, oh, we just got our doors blown off by the best team in the history of Alabama football a year ago in the national championship game. Cincinnati gets to go against the weaker version of Alabama and win and become and like hang banners all out through the Queen City that say best team in Ohio. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah. Like, who, who wants that? Yeah. Maybe maybe Ohio State fans would rather Ohio State or Alabama just kick everyone's ass and have it be like it normally is. Alabama kicking everyone's ass is just status quo. Yeah. Like last year, Ohio State got their butts kicked in the national championship game, and it didn't hurt because it was just like, oh well, it's Alabama. I'm not saying that people weren't upset that they lost to the national championship game, but it's easier to accept than losing to Clemson two years ago. Like that was like that was it. Just you ran into the buzzsaw, and if the buzzsaw continues to be the buzzsaw, then that's just the reality. Like Nick Saban wins another championship. I don't even know how many he's won. I've lost track. Six? Is that right? How many has he won? I don't know. I think it's one at LSU and five at Alabama. Okay. Well, if it was seven, is anything going to change with the way that we view the sport? No, and I don't think I don't think you want Luke Fickle walking in the Pickerington North with a national championship ring on his finger. <laughs> yeah, I also don't think that's that's humanly possible. So you know, we'll, we'll, if that happens, I'll eat my shirt. But like you know, you have to. I think that like if Cincinnati played the best possible game they could play and kicked Alabama right in the groin and, like, won the game, they would not be physically equipped to do it again the following week against Georgia if they played Georgia. Like, I don't think they, I don't think they can do it twice. Yeah. Man, what would... uh God, if Cincinnati won a national championship and was, like, the l- most recent Ohio team to win a national title and then Fickle was walking around like that dude in the wrestling gif uh, around Ohio, like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I still don't think that Cincinnati would be able to out recruit Ohio, but that would be something. It would be. You no, know, I don't think so either. It's not like you know, Luke Fickle's not going to start stealing all of Ohio State's recruits if that happens. But it's something to consider. And what? And also, it would be the same deal if Jim Harbaugh is walking walking around like Vince McMahon with the championship ring on his finger. If yeah, sorry, I don't know a lot about wrestling. I didn't know that who that who that was. Um, if Luke Fickle won a national championship this year, does Ohio State consider hiring him? Did you just ask me if they're going to fire Ryan Day? No, I'm just <laughs> saying, like, do you, like, have to, like, think about that? I'm not saying fire him. I don't know. No, like, no. It's I just don't, like I don't, you, there would be some real, real envy there, I yeah, think. Yeah, I don't, I don't think – I mean, if Ryan Day goes to the NFL, which I think is unlikely but certainly not impossible, then – Luke Fickles is on line one, and I don't think there is a line two, but um, short of that, no. Is Luke Fickle already on line one? Yeah, Luke's is just he's yeah he's he's like a, he's the taxi squad. Whenever whenever they need somebody, that's they're, they're going to call him up. You think he's going to be the next coach at Ohio State? Yes, unless he turns into Dabo Sweeney and like builds another power into a elite level program. Because, like, for yeah. a while, like, Dabo Sweeney was, like, Alabama's next head coach, and, like, now he's, like, out won that and now won't ever do it, maybe. Right. I think I think Luke obviously isn't going to get the Notre Dame job. Um, we've talked about Penn State. He would never go to Michigan. 
I don't think he'd go to Mich- I don't think he'd leave Cincinnati for Michigan State in a world where there's an expanded playoff and Cincinnati can actually like you know in air quotes compete for a national championship. Um, so I think he probably stays there for. A what long do you time. think Luke Fickle thought though when he saw Mel Tucker's contract though? Uh, that dude's got like seven. That'd be kids. a lot of money. Yeah, that'd be a lot of money to feed my six children. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also think it's very funny that like Marcus Freeman has the like the same exact family dynamic as Luke Fickle. Like they all have a million kids. They both have a million kids. Both both uh, midwestern midwestern guys who are like perfect shoe and fits for Notre Dame, and each of them has a uh, a million children. It's, I have no idea how people raise more than one kid. I don't know. Yeah, like I, I'm at the end of my rope with one. Like I, I don't know. Like, if I could not imagine this baby being two years old and then having another one, and then like having to take care of another baby while taking care of a two-year-old. Like, I, how do people? And like, Luke Fickle was working fifty hours a week. So yeah, like, I don't know. Amy Fickle is like a saint. Like, I have no idea unless you have a full-time nanny. Like, how is? I don't know how people have four kids. I don't know my. Uh... I have two physically and mentally. I have two. I have two younger brothers. We're all we're the 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 middle one is fifteen months younger than I am, and the other one is five years younger than I am. And my parents were like nineteen when they first started having kids. So how they were like twenty five years old with three boys destroying their house, I have no idea how they did it. Let alone having six yeah. kids. <laughs> You've seen all those memes on Instagram, though. It's like me at at uh, or my parents at twenty three. Let's buy a house and start a family. And then it said me at 23. Oh, look, what's that on the sidewalk? Let's lick it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like, that's, like, what it's yeah. like. Because, like, when I was 23, I was an infant. Yeah, I'm 33. I don't care in the world. <laughs> I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I envy that. I envy that. I don't think it's going to I follow. It's not going to last I follow long. this um, this account on Instagram called uh, Only in Columbus or Only in Seabus or whatever, where it was just, like, pictures of Columbus. Or things that are happening in Columbus, and sometimes things will be like, will pop up on my phone. I'll be like, you know what? I really miss just driving down High Street without a responsibility in the world on the way to Kroger. <laughs> like during July when there's no football season, I just get to go to Kroger and smash my face and then go home, and like that's it. That's my day. Yeah. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. That's like my life is like a disaster right now. <laughs> and in a beautiful way, because I love my family and my child, but like I. Like have to plan my day out now, which is nothing I've something I've never had. To do. Yeah, organization and planning are not my strong suit. So when the time comes where I have to actually have to pay attention to those things, it's me and my difficult. fiance sit down with each other every night before bed and are like, "What's your day tomorrow?" I was having dinner with my buddy in Pittsburgh the other day, and they have a four-year-old, and uh, they're having another baby uh, this year, and he has like a Google calendar on his phone of like his entire life, and I was like, "Oh boy, <laughs> I'm not I'm not built for this." Yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell, say this in the airways, but I think Landis might be uh, having some baby fever, though, too. Yeah. So I'm just telling you, it's great if you are. No, my current and like, my current existence is is going to is going to run out in short order for sure. My my advice to you is that, like, when you hear somebody with a child, they'll look at you and they'll go, "It's the greatest thing I've ever done. I love the baby more than anything. I don't know who I am without the child." My love is an ocean. Everything is perfect. It's amazing. Fatherhood has changed me as a man. I'm enriched in my soul. And it's like all those things are true, but it also kind of sucks sometimes. <laughs> like, and it's okay to say, like, you know, there are things that are, are hard about it. Like, you don't sleep at all. Or if your baby's crying at 4 a.m. for an hour straight and you don't know, like, it's just like everything is a thing. Like, everything is a discussion point. Like, who's going to the grocery store? What time? Uh, well, why don't you go with the, the one o'clock feeding and then I'll go. It's just like, it's a lot. So like when you do it, just be prepared. Oh, I'm not going to be prepared at all. Yeah. I'm going to be losing my mind, but yeah. I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it whenever. Yeah. It might be. And, and by the way, as somebody who just did this and all the things I said that were negative, you absolutely should do it. Cause it's amazing. Yeah. No, we're going to, I'm going to come down uh, to, to, to Dallas in like a month and spend some time with you guys to get a lay of the land and see what that's going to be like. And then, you know, a year from then, I'll be doing the same thing here in Columbus, probably. <clears throat> Should we get back to talking about the Rose Bowl? Sure. <laughs> People listen to our podcast for all sorts of reasons, though, so don't feel bad. I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. The opt-outs. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Nicholas petit Frere, Haskell Garrett, I think make this game, like, inherently more interesting than it would have been otherwise. Right? Oh, Yeah. We said this before that happened, yeah, but like it's like anybody who didn't know this was coming, 
is still living in 1974. Like this is this is absolutely going to come. So I guess with that in mind, like I, I guess like who steps up into those roles is is kind of obvious. Um, the one th- and awesome to talk right. about. Like well, this is going to be great. Right. Like, so, but some other people that weren't weren't a fan of Ohio State were just like. Somebody tweeted at me the other day, and it was hilarious because I said, "This is awesome because we're going to see Marvin Harrison Jr., more Julian Fleming, you know, more Mecca Ekbuka, like all these young names." And some guy goes, "God damn, son! I didn't try to uh, watch." I said, "I'm not trying to watch the spring game. I want to watch the Rose Bowl." Like, oh. and I was like, "Yeah, like if you're a fan of Michigan State or you're a fan of Fresno State, and you just want to watch the Rose Bowl." Like watching a Mecca Egg Buka work through shit isn't the Rose Bowl. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm excited for. Like for an Ohio yeah. State fan, like yeah, it's like roster building, team building. But like for a random fan, it's like watching Ohio State's freshmen play this game is like not what you're signed up for. Yeah. When I find and I thought that was hilarious because sometimes I get so tunnel vision into like what does this mean for Ohio State? Like I forget like there's people who just want to watch the Rose right. Bowl. But I also think there's people. Yeah, there's also be people watching the Rose Bowl who like. Well, see Julian Fleming make a catch and just think he's been playing all year and, and not and be none the wiser. So, and also, yeah, like, they're all really good. <laughs> so, I don't think I don't. I mean, I guess it could look like a clown show, but I don't. I don't think it's going to. Somebody replied though something I put on Twitter was like, "Oh, great, Ohio State JV squad." I was like, "Bro, <laughs> Ohio State JV squad is like the sixth best team in the country." <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So I don't. I don't think it's going to be uh, a lesser brand of football, so to speak. Um, and I'm excited. I am. I'm. I'm really excited to kind of see what they do with Jackson Smith and Jigba, if, whether or not they move him around. But in terms of the like the young guys, these young receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Ibuka, Julian Fleming, like who among those guys now are you kind of most excited to watch on Saturday? Maybe I'm sure it's all of them, but is there anyone that kind of rises above the group that you're most excited to see? I mean, I'm definitely most excited to see Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, like yeah. I want to know, like, what we saw in the spring game, the dude was open the second he got on campus. Like, the second he started playing, or was he was noticeable immediately. And you know how I feel about players like that. The ones that are truly special make it apparent early. I just want to see that guy cook. That's kind of where I am as well, but I, I do... I found it interesting against Nebraska that when Garrett Wilson couldn't play, Julian Fleming started. Like, Marvin Harrison played, but not a ton. Um, so I, I don't know what the pecking order is there. It, if... The, the apparent gap, judging by that game, was wider than I would have anticipated. Um, but maybe that's the wrong read on it. Maybe they'll play those guys like fifty-fifty um, on the outside, and especially now if Chris isn't going to play, I guess I guess maybe those two guys could start, and and Ibuka can maybe mix in, you know, inside and and outside. But I, I don't, I still don't feel like I have a great read for who's actually ahead there, Marvin Harrison Jr. or, or Julian Fleming, but. Um, I am like you excited to see what Marvin Harrison can do with more snaps because like you said, he did, he showed up right away and like looked like a dude immediately. And I actually think even when he showed up, he like surprised people with how ready he was to play. Cause I, I do think when he was recruited, there was some notion of like, he's really good. Like he obviously has the pedigree. He's going to have to develop a little bit physically before he's able to get on the field in any kind of meaningful way. And then he showed up on campus and Ryan Day was like, Holy shit, this guy's like jacked. Like, I, and he was like, I think he was like 15 pounds bigger than they thought he was going to be when he got on campus. Um, didn't translate to playing time because Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave existed, but, you know, I, I still think he is thought of in that way. Um, and now he's finally going to get a chance to kind of show out in a way that didn't really happen during the season. But I, I'm almost probably equally as intrigued by Julian Fleming because he's just not been healthy. And and if he's healthy now and can play a full game, like Brian Hartline was talking, I think, like back in November, he's like, when Julian's healthy, we watch him practice when he does stuff. We all turn to each other like, you guys see this shit? And, like, like we've never seen that in practice, obviously, because we don't get to watch practice. We've never seen the game because he's not been able to play a whole lot. Um, but on the same token, like, he ha- he's had opportunities, right? He had an opportunity against Northwestern last year. He had an opportunity against Nebraska and, like, played fine. I don't think he really, like, flashed in the way that we all maybe thought he would flash once he got his chance. And he's going to get another chance here. And, like, I don't think it's make or break, but I do think, you know, I, I would like to see Julian Fleming kind of flash in a way that he's not flashing previous opportunities. He doesn't – he hasn't had the Jackson Smith and the Jigba back of the end zone body contortionist, contortionist moment where he, like, did something that made you say wow. And when you have these five-star receivers coming up, a lot of these guys are wow-type players – and Julian Fleming was the number one rated receiver in the country in his class. 
And I just don't know. I think the lack of juice around him isn't that he's not capable. It's that he's not flashy or hasn't been flashy yet. Like, I don't know if he has a signature moment. Like, when he played in that Northwestern game, didn't he have, like, five catches in the first two drives? Like, he mm-hmm. gets open, he catches the ball. Yeah, he got targeted um, a lot. But, like, if you think about the top-end talent that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson illustrated during their careers, the types of catches that they would make, or the types of plays that they would make, and the moments that they would make them, like, they reset the standard of what the receiver position should be at Ohio State. And, like, being a possession receiver who catches eight passes for 59 yards in a game is not the is not the standard. And I'm not saying that's what Julian Fleming is, but that's who he's been on the field in the time since we've we've gotten to know him. And I know that in high school he played in a triple option offense. I know that he wasn't necessarily the most sharpened prospect mm-hmm. when he got here. Um, but Emeka Egbuka is returning kicks. Uh, Jackson Smith the Jigbo was already the team's leading receiver this year, I think. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. caught a touchdown pass in the first spring game ever in his dad's in the Hall of Fame. Like, there's a lot, a lot of other names. And you know what? Jaden Ballard is a name that we're losing track of. He's a fringe top 100 player, too. Yep. So, like, there's a lot of talent in this room. And I'm very curious to see how Ryan Day is going to employ it in the Rose Bowl. And I think that's probably the biggest storyline of the entire game. Like, really. If, if C.J. Stroud can make some plays and get comfortable with his receiving core. Like, if you can go into next year feeling like Ohio State's receivers are going to get open as much as, as they did last year, maybe that's crazy to say. They won't get open as much because those guys were uncoverable, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, but they have a lot of talent, and there's nothing more. And the reason why people are excited about recruiting is because they want to know about the unknown of the future, and the unveiling of the unknown of the future is great. Yeah, I made a mistake of not mentioning Jaden Ballard in the story I wrote last week when talking about young receivers, so I'm glad you mentioned him because he is. I actually think he was a top 100 player um, and, you know, really highly thought of, like, I think like a Devin Smith light kind of player. Um, not seen a ton from him, but, you know, if if both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave aren't playing and they're not, there's 99. There's, yeah, 99, right? Just inside. Um, <clears throat> there's plenty of snaps to go around for all those guys, and I, and I do think that Ryan Day will probably use the opportunity to get all those young guys a, a significant chunk of work. I don't think it's going to be like you'll see Julian Fleming and Marvin Harrison Jr. exclusively with Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't even know why you would do that. Like, you're trying to win the game, I guess, so you, maybe you play the guys you think are best, but I really think this is a, a valuable experience for all four of those guys looking ahead to next year. Like I said earlier, like I think that the idea of bowl momentum in, at, like, at large is a little overblown, but I do think it can mean something for individual players. So if you can get all four of those young receivers – you know, significant work really for the first time in their career in the Rose Bowl against a good Utah defense. I think that helps them long term. Um, but to go back to what you said, you know, a few minutes ago, it was like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I think like the the very first time, sort of, they were given opportunity to do something. Like they flashed right away, right? And I don't. Uh, and then flashed over and, and over and kept, over again. And then kept doing careers. it. Yeah. And then yeah. kept doing it. And then like Olave showed up in a major way as a true freshman in the Michigan game in 2018. Um, Garrett Wilson made that insane catch against Clemson in, in the Fiesta Bowl in 2019. Um, so like they, you you knew from the jump, and then they carried it through their entire careers, and like were you know the the perfect kind of career arc I think that Ohio State's looking for from both those guys. Uh, and now it's, the realization of talent and potential is almost the most impressive thing that a person can do in football. Yeah. And but now I think like this is I think for the four younger guys we're talking about like this is the start of that, right? Like I think you I don't know if all four of them have to show out that way against Utah, but I think you want to come away thinking along similar lines about one or two of these guys, right? To feel good about going in the next year. Yeah, I, I agree. Or Jackson Smith and yeah, Jigwick I mean, can just like catch twenty passes. <laughs> I guess he did. What did he catch against Nebraska when Garrett Wilson didn't play like fifteen catches or something like that? I mean, he is like, I don't want to say this because it's just insane that he's better than both of them. <laughs> is it possible that by the end of his career that we'll view him as better than? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I didn't even want to finish the sentence because it's embarrassing. I mean, he's a five star prospect. He was rated. No, I yeah. know, but like he is so freaking good. Yeah. And I think he I think he combines a lot of the best elements of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I think he's built physically in a similar way to both of them, but you know, Garrett's catch radius and body control are insane. Chris's ball tracking and and precise route running are insane, and Jackson kind of has all that. <laughs> 
And he's fast. And too. he's good. And he's fast. And he can make guys miss after the catch. Yeah. So no, I don't. I mean, he's our leading receiver this year, and part of that is is you know being in the slot, I suppose, and getting more favorable matchups. Um, but I f- if they decide to move him outside next year, I fully believe he's capable of having the same kind of seasons that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave had this year. Um, when it's all said and done, he actually might have like, he might have a better year because there isn't another person like himself. I mean, maybe maybe there will be. I don't know. But there's no Chris Olave to the Garrett Wilson that he is, and vice versa. You right. Know? I mean, I guess it's possible that yeah, one of these guys emerges in that way. Um, I'm like we did not get to see like Emeka Ibuka really felt like he was going to break a kick return at some point this year, and then he got hurt, and they kind of you know took him out of that role. I don't know if they'll put him back in that role for the Rose Bowl or not. But we didn't get to see much of him as a receiver, um, and I think he, in terms of like where he's at in his development skill set. Um, kind of versatility, I think he might have a slightly higher ceiling than Julian Fleming and Marvin Harrison Jr. So if this is like, let's take the reins off Emeka Ibuka and, and finally give him, you know, significant snaps at receiver and target him and show what he can do when he gets the ball in his hands. Um, I think if I was like, pick if I was going to pick someone most likely to break out at the, among the receivers in this game, I think I'd pick him. Yeah, yeah. Because we've seen the least from him too, I think. What do you mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. we just you know, recruiting rankings are fun because we see highlight tapes, but you know when you see them put on the uniform for the first time and make a crazy catch, like there's something exciting about that, inherently exciting about it. And like I think we know the least about him. We do. Yeah, yeah, we do. But I th- I think we know enough about him to know that he can be electric with a ball in his hands because he showed that on kickoff return, and now. And the fact of the matter is that he was on the field that early anyway, in such a critical position. Yeah, too. right, right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The other spots, when I like got wind that Nicholas Petit Frere was not going to play, I was like, all right, here we go, Parrish Johnson time at left tackle. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Thayer Munford will start at left tackle. Parrish Johnson will stay at guard, and probably Matt Jones will start. So you get a little bit of a peek at next year because I think Matt Jones is one of your starting guards next year. But it's it's a little unfortunate, I think, that we don't won't get to see the Parrish Johnson experience at tackle begin in the Rose Bowl. But I also – I probably agree with the idea of like Thayer Munford has been a, a important, loyal, productive player. And if you want to send him out, like playing left tackle where he kind of made his, his name at Ohio state, I, I think I can get on board with that too. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of time for Paris. Yeah. There. Well, is there? <laughs> Cause if he's good, if he's good next year, I'm not sure that's the case. Well, I know what I'm saying is to play <laughs> tackle. He'll get all next year and then he'll go like, but <clears throat> one year is plenty of time at Ohio state. If you want to be a first rounder. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I don't know if I I, uh, I tweeted on uh, Monday night that I would like to see Paris Johnson and Thayer Munford just rotate at left tackle for the entire game, but that was really just a ploy to get Donovan Jackson on the field for seventy five snaps at one of the guard positions because I think that's your line. Like your your starting guards next year are Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones. Paris Johnson is one of your tackles. Um, Dewan Jones, who still says he's fifty fifty on returning next year, is your starting tackle if he comes back. Um, and then I don't know Harry Miller, Luke Whipler. You got to figure that out, I guess. Uh, but we're not going to get, you know, that that kind of glimpse at the future. I think in, in the Rose is Dewan Jones like a legitimate, um, like first day draft pick guy or second day? Like what, what's like what's his? He would not be. He would not be a first round pick. Um, Sorry, first day. The meaning of first day has changed <clears throat> in the last few years, and I still say. Oh that. right, right, yeah. right. I think I think second day pick probably. Um, because he had a pretty good year, even if his last game wasn't his best game. But he had a good year. He's a monster. I think you draft him maybe on traits alone, and there's enough film out there that you can kind of fall in love with him. But I also think that if he were to come back next year and put together another really good season, he could be a first-round draft pick. And I think he knows that and will be told that by the NFL. And so my guess is that he comes back. Um, And if he doesn't come back... 
I don't know what they're going to do at tackle. Maybe Donovan Jackson can play tackle, but you know they're kind of thin there behind Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones if they lose one of those guys. So that's like a major area of need should Dewan Jones not come back. But my my guess is that he does because there's there's a lot for him to gain. I think if he does come back and play next year, and yeah, I, he played he played very well this year. I think, but he could he can really you know make himself uh, quite a bit more money if he comes back and has another good year next year. Um. Defensive tackle, Haskell Garrett's not playing. I think that's pretty straightforward. And I would expect Antoine Jackson and Teron Vincent to start. But my hope, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in this, is that we see a whole lot of Tyleek Williams and maybe Mike Hall, um, maybe Ty Hamilton. But I don't know if that's going to be the case. But like Tyleek Williams kind of like disappearing in the second half of the season or not not getting more opportunities based you on You thought it would because you would go the other way based on the yeah, way he was, it was playing. Yeah. It was very it was very puzzling to me. Like it never he never saw a significant uptick in his playing time and and at the end of the year he actually kind of dipped a little bit. Um and I don't know why that's the case. He was a guy I was really looking forward to talking to if there was a media day at the Rose Bowl. Um didn't happen and I don't know if it's going to happen in the Rose Bowl. Maybe they'll they'll play those older guys, but I don't think those older guys are very good this year. So I would like to see you know the younger guys and and a preview of next year there at defensive tackle, but I'm not getting my hopes super high on that. Yeah. I just wish there was a uh, Teron Vincent-type player. You know, some five-star guy to get your juices up. You know what I mean? Well, Mike Hall, Mike Hall, <laughs> Mike Hall was, was a top 50 player, wasn't he? Yeah, and I think 247 in their individual rankings had him as a five-star. Oh, really? If I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Miss me with the individual rankings. I want composite five-stars. Well, the problem with the composite five stars is like ESPN can't get its head out of its ass and like doesn't know how to rank players. So like, <laughs> I had a discussion about that with uh, like with Scott Dockerman on the big. I had a discussion about that with Scott Dockerman on the big football show, where he's like, Xavier Nwankpa isn't a five star prospect because ESPN rated him like 130 when everybody else had him at like 30. Yeah, and like he like rated as like a number 48 overall, like 15 spots out of because ESPN's rankings. Um. I wonder how long it's going to be before on three becomes a part of it too. Because I was thinking about that the other day. If ESPN yeah. is on it, then on three has to be on it. Because I bet or, you you can make the case that on three already has better evaluations than ESPN. Absolutely, and I but I, I actually wonder if because on three does its own version of consensus. I wonder if on three will come to replace two four seven as like the standard for recruiting rankings. I think that's possible too. Mike Hall was uh, number thirty. He was number fifty-three overall in the composite, and he was number thirty. Yeah, he made a huge jump after you wrote a big story about him. So you're you're the one to thank for that. That's right. That's I'm the tastemaker. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I hope we we did not see a bunch of him this season. Um, and I like I think we talked about him before. Like he really got overlooked. I think in that class because of JT Tuimolowal and Jack Sawyer. Um, by the way, like Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison are on track to play in the Rose Bowl. So. Um, not every player who we think is going to the league next year is, is sitting out this game. Um, and Thayer Munford obviously is included in that too. Uh, so there are some NFL guys who are playing, and I think maybe Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison know that they could probably help themselves in the Rose Bowl game by playing. Um, last thing before we go, we kind of teased this on a episode last week doing a, doing mailbag questions. Uh, Diamante Trianum, Trianum uh, from Arizona State, transferred officially transferred to Ohio State he's gonna play linebacker um and I think Ari you and I both I think wrote about him when he was coming out and this is like kind of a full circle thing for him right because Ohio State I think when he was coming out of Akron Hoban viewed Tranum as a better higher upside defensive prospect and he ultimately chose to go to Arizona State to play running back right yeah I mean he was he was at the opening the year that you and I went together for different publications and like it was a big deal. Like Ohio State wanted him, so I'm excited to see what a former running back can do at the linebacker position. Maybe we'll get some Ryan Shazier flowing action to the ball. He's very fast. He's very physical. He's not the he's, biggest guy in the world. He's, he's pretty he's thick, 11. though. He's he's five eleven, two hundred and thirty five pounds. That's like I was, super thick. That's like thick with two C's. That's T H I C C thick. Yeah, but he still moves. <laughs> he still he still moves very well. Um, at, at that size. And I, I'm, I'm a little, I was talking with our Arizona state writer, uh, Doug Holler the other day, because if you looked at Arizona state's depth chart and they're losing a bunch of guys, like, I don't know what's going on there. Like they've had a lot of guys go in the portal, but train looked like he was going to be their number one tailback next year. 
Um, and he had a pretty good freshman year, kind of had a lesser role this year, was hurt a little bit and missed some games. But he, he did look like he was poised to be the number one running back in that offense next year and instead made the decision to come back home to Ohio and play defense at Ohio State. Um, I, I don't know what to expect from him because he didn't play defense at Arizona State. I, as far as I know, it was like never a discussion that he'd play defense there. But I did go back and watch some of his high school stuff from when he was at Hoban, and he was like a, a safety linebacker. He played corner. Um, when they played Maslin, like they put him at corner to cover Jaden Ballard. Um, so he's got a lot of versatility to him. I don't I don't want to say that's going to translate because that was three years ago in high school and he's a different athlete now. Obviously, college is more difficult, but I think it's a it's a similar idea to, to Steel Chambers where everyone kind of thought he'd be better defensively if, if he could ever come around to that realization himself. And I do think he might have some versatility as like a safety linebacker kind of guy that will suit him well in, in Jim Knowles' defense. But I don't I don't want to assume that like they're going to sh- like lightning is going to strike twice here. They're going to move another guy from running back who's going to become a defensive stud for them in the way the Steel Chambers did. Like I, I think that's a dangerous assumption to make. Yeah. But it's always good to infuse athleticism and speed into your defense because Lord knows Ohio State could use some of that. So I think it's – maybe it's not the most exciting play for fans who are like want to see people like Eli Ricks come into the program, but – I find him to be a very intriguing addition because of the the skill set that he will bring to a defense that needs it. And it looks good in the composite rankings, talent rankings. Does it? He's a top three hundred player, wasn't he? He's a four star guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. It helps the the, the talent. I don't know where Ohio State two four seven does like a combined like recruiting and transfer thing, right? It now. is so funny because yeah, yeah. The, the funniest thing about this is, is that I went on a rant about. How, if I were the recruiting coordinator at Arizona State or Arizona, I would just spend a bunch of time recruiting the Midwest and having them come on official visits in, like, December and and November. And, like, this is the perfect example of, like, the type of person you can get by doing it that way. And then, like, the day after the podcast went out, like, he he answered the portal. And it's just, like, that (laughs) also is the peril of doing it that way, too. So, like, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. But, like, yeah, I like the idea, too, of what this represents from a recruiting standpoint, Bill, and that if you recruit somebody and don't get them, especially if they're from your neck of the woods, the the potential that that now creates more so than ever to get them again eventually when they're they're on the, the, the portal, you know? And yeah. that's always been a thing. You always, like, go after guys that you had relationships with during the recruiting process, but now that the portal is going to become as, as crazy as it's been, the opportunities for things like this are just going to be more and more more dynamic and it's just like if you have a kid's recruiting profile and you get his phone number when he's a junior in high school you better hold on to that fucking number you know (laughs) 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 sorry (laughs) because i think it all comes back around more so now than it ever had before yeah ryan day actually i think kind of said something along those lines the last time we talked to him in columbus he said like you know you you build those relationships through recruiting and if you don't get a guy you still kind of fall back on them when you're looking through the portal and i think um, you know, some of Ohio State's transfer additions have been that. You know, Ohio State recruited Justin Fields. I don't know how much Ryan Day was involved with him, but there was at least some familiarity there. Um, Ohio State recruited Trey Sermon very hard. Ohio State uh, recruited uh, Palier Noteote very hard. So I think like those those previous connections definitely come back into play and, and did so here um, with, with Trainum and and probably will in the future. I mean, they were they recruited Eli Eli Ricks really hard, even if they ultimately you know, decided to go another direction or he decided to go another direction, whatever, like those, whenever you're looking for potential additions for Ohio State via the portal, just kind of go back through their previous recruiting classes and look at who they offered and didn't get. <laughs> and that'll probably yeah. be who they target if that guy yeah. ever goes into the portal. Yeah. So um, in the team rankings, which combines transfers and recruiting, Ohio State is still number four and still number three in average player rating. So although the average is, is a tad bit lower than it would be if it was just recruiting rankings, which is interesting. Um, but didn't didn't do didn't hurt their positioning at all, but didn't give them a bump either when compared to Texas A&M, Alabama, and Georgia and the other teams kind of in the top of those rankings. Um, but I'm excited to see what Trainum does because, you know, I like fast guys who hit hard. <laughs> Ohio State needs more of them, and he looks like he's going to be one of those guys. So I think it'll be good for the defense yeah. long term. All right, uh, we'll wrap up I'm going to keep saying that people are going to be like Ryan Chazier until Ryan Chazier reappears. Until one shows up, yeah. I think uh, C.J. Hicks might be able to help you out there. We'll see. Not to put too much on the kid's plate right away. It's fine. 
Yeah. You just you just added some expectations. That's right. I I compared to the Ryan says here, I said he was a perfect recruit that Ohio State needs right now, and he's going to be the guy who turns around their entire defense. So uh, no pressure, kid. Good luck with that. Um, all right, we'll wrap up the show there. We'll be back later in the week to give uh, our picks on the Rose Bowl, maybe some some final thoughts on that game. Um, and we'll give some thoughts as well on the playoff matchups, the Alabama-Cincinnati game and the Michigan-Georgia game. And I think maybe explore a little bit what a Michigan playoff run could potentially mean uh, for the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. I think that's some interesting discussion worth getting into. So we'll do that later in the week. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you then. Thank you.